Hello, St. Louis. This is your host, Brian Bisking, and this is the STL Leaders Podcast. Did you know that there are 2.8 million people that live in the St. Louis metro area? There are many leaders inside of that population. I started this podcast to give those leaders a voice. I was raised by one of those leaders. My father is a small business owner in Edwardsville, Illinois, and I grew up watching him be a leader in many ways to the people of our great city. The impact that him and other leaders have on our communities are instrumental. St. Louis has long been called the gateway to the West. This community has a large impact in many ways to other parts of this great country, but it has an even larger impact on all of us. The STL Leaders Podcast mission is to speak to the leaders of our area to gain insight into their story, their journey, and the lessons they have learned along the way. Each episode gives you inside access to the people who make St. Louis what it is today and what it will be in the future. Listen as we dive into what makes each leader so impactful and how they view success, mindset, and leadership. This podcast is brought to you by Synchrony HR, NWO IT Services, and Inbound Blend Digital Marketing. Hello, St. Louis. This is your host of STL Leaders, Brian Bisking. And on this episode, we have Aaron Bassett. Aaron is the president of Environmental Operations, Inc. Aaron started with EOI in 2005 as a project manager and over the years has succeeded at every level. Aaron was named president of EOI in October of 2019. Aaron is a resident of St. Louis, Missouri and a graduate from Southeast Missouri State University. It's my honor to welcome Aaron to the show. Aaron, thanks for being on. I appreciate your time. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Absolutely. I, I always like to give our listeners a little background, but you and I met uh, several years ago randomly through some networking and have um, continued to network through the years and stayed in touch. And it's always a pleasure to be with you. You have a you have a great passion and joy for life, and um, I love being around you. So thank you for coming on the show and sharing some of your wisdom with us today. Well, thank you. That was a sweet introduction. I appreciate it. You're welcome. <laughs> So I, I want to just kind of give our listeners a little background on, on yourself. So tell me, what was growing up like for you? What, you know, where did you grow up? Where did you go to high school? What, what was it like growing up for you? Yeah, so I am, I am not a St. Louis native, so I can't really answer that, um, you know, where did you go to high school question very well. But um, I'm originally from Indianapolis, Indiana, um, lived there, moved to Sacramento, California, and then finally landed in Southern Illinois. Grew up in a little tiny town of about less than 8,000 people called Salem, Illinois. And, um, you know, it's typical farm town community. Um, grew up with a simple lifestyle, you know, got to run around, ride our bikes all over town and that type of thing. Um, I'm the oldest of three girls, so our house is a little crazy. Um, I actually <laughs> left um, Salem and um, decided to go to Southeast Missouri um, because I wanted that school that was good size, but not too big. And um, they offered a program that I really wanted to do. And it was a great experience. And then kind of followed my husband up here um, to St. Louis. So we kind of stuck around here. My in-laws and my, um, you know, his immediate family are here in St. Louis. So it kind of, kind of stayed here and landed. And I'm not a native of St. Louis, like I said. So St. Louis was a little bit of more of a, we came here for the zoo and everything like that when I was little. But I really didn't know St. Louis very well. And when we moved here in 2005, I started working at EOI and uh, we moved to Sular and I just kind of fell in love with the city itself and all the different really cool neighborhoods that we have here in the town and just stuck around. So here I am. 
Absolutely. Well, I think, you know, a lot of people can relate to that story. Um, you know, I, I'm not necessarily a native of St. Louis. I mean, I grew up in Edwardsville, Illinois, so I guess I'm a native of the St. Louis metro area. Um, yeah. But, you know, we we went to St. Louis. My mom worked at AT&T as a vice president for uh, pretty much her whole career. So I would come down to St. Louis and go to lunch with her. Or we'd go to the touristy things in St. Louis, but I always loved St. Louis. And, and now I am a resident of St. Louis. But um, mm -hmm. I think you know, a lot of people can kind of relate to that story. So Tell us a little bit about EOI. What, what is EOI and what do you guys do? Yeah, so we are a firm that's headquartered here in St. Louis, but we're a nationwide turnkey environmental consulting firm. So it's kind of a loaded answer right there, but basically we kind of um, like to operate from cradle to grave with our clients. So we operate in kind of all aspects that involve environmental from due diligence to full on remediation of projects. So what kind of makes us unique is we have a lot of different alternatives and we're pretty business focused. So we like to not really pose environmental as a problem, but kind of a really alternative solution. So we really work as partners with our clients versus, you know, being a consultant or really kind of a partnership with them. Sure. So that kind of gets us into some really neat opportunities, especially within the city of St. Louis and development. Um, we are pretty prolific in the brownfields arena, not just in the Missouri region, but outside as well. But we get to work on some really neat projects like the NGA. We've worked on the ballpark stadium downtown, done a lot of um, work on the north side of St. Louis, which is really cool because you get to get involved in some really neat um, projects that help with economic growth and, you know, turning a blighted area into something that's positive. And then we also get to get into some really cool projects like mining and decommissioning old power plants and then you know everything from doing dust monitoring and ERs um, it's kind of a wide range of services that we offer and it gets gets you into a lot of different projects and arenas so it's really cool yeah that sounds like a, a cool career and it sounds like a cool organization to work for um, different than obviously very different than what I what I'm in but uh, pretty pretty neat for sure and and impactful as well yeah so you, you know, I, I saw you, you started as a project manager, you know, really right out of college with EOI. Um, and then you obviously over the last several years, you've kind of you know, worked your way up, which I think is what's so cool about your story. And so tell me, how did you get started at EOI? And then how what what was the path like to become the president of the organization? Can you talk to us a little bit about that and get some insight on that? Yeah, so like you said, I kind of started almost right out of college. I worked at a lab for, well, I worked at the St. Louis Zoo right out of college for interning and then worked at a lab and then kind of landed at environmental operations. And I was drawn to the environmental aspect. I have a degree in environmental biology, so um, it was kind of a natural fit for me. I started out in our phase one group and did project management and kind of ended up working it pretty quickly into a lot more field type work. Um, so what we would call phase two. Um, then I actually left for two years and went off and got enticed by a friend who um, needed somebody with a biology background to do some sales. So I left for two years and did that. It wasn't my, my favorite uh, career path. So I ended up back at EOI by, by fortune. But honestly, it kind of put me in a really good position for where I am now because I got a lot of that good. Um, I think doing sales is kind of a, a good training for anybody, even if it's not a main part of your business. Um, so when I got to come back to EOI, I got to get really heavily involved in our compliance services group, which does a lot of um, permitting and planning for our, our clients and really kind of took off with that and continued to work with our phase one and phase two group, but really kind of got settled into our compliance services group. And then from there, I got the opportunity to take over our Brownfields program. 
So I got to work on some really amazing projects when I did that, doing everything from the grant writing and tax credits work um, to the actual implementation of the remediation strategy and overseeing that. So the last project I worked on was actually the NGA um, site up on the North City. Um, our group was really instrumental in helping the city of St. Louis obtain the tax credits that were needed to get that site ready for the federal government to take over. And then we also had the opportunity to implement the remediation strategy and do that oversight. So that was about three years of my life, but it was a really great experience because um, I think it's like a project like no other where you get to work with not only the city of St. Louis and the state of Missouri, but you also get to work with three different branches of the federal government. So there was a lot of writing on that project. Um, there was a lot of also social justice and social impact um, work that we got to do through that. Um, that was really awesome and engaging from being able to be involved in that and seeing a community um, that you're trying to impact in a positive way and not turn something that was positive for the city, but not maybe for our neighborhood. So the city was really great about engaging the neighborhood and we got to be involved in that. So that was awesome. Um, from that, um, our company is privately owned by a guy named Stacy Hasty. He's our CEO and kind of president of the board. And he brought me in and um, decided that he was kind of ready to start bringing up some new blood to help him out in EOI. And he asked if I would be a part of that. And I said, yes, definitely. So um, I kind of got to make a couple leaps to go up from a project director to then a COO and then president. But it's been an exciting ride for sure. Absolutely. Well, I think it it's a testament to probably your work ethic, uh, probably your your leadership and your drive. Um, to, to be able to, and I think that's what makes your story so neat is, you know, a lot of people go into an organization and then they work there for 10, 15 years and then they leave and they go to another organization or, um, or they get stuck in, in a position that they're in. And I think what's really neat about your story is how you, you start with the organization pretty much on the ground level and have worked in several positions along the way to get you to where you are today, you know, as kind of the president and, you know, one of the leaders of, of your organization. And I think, you know, I think anybody, if you ask anybody that that's what everybody's aspiring to do. Um, who wants to who wants to be in a leadership type role? Not everybody wants to, right? But I think the people listening to this podcast absolutely um, that's what their dream is, is right? Is to, is to is to work their way up and get in into that type of a role. So I think that's what's really neat about your story. What are some lessons you learned maybe along the way, you know, to get into the position that you're in today? Yeah, so it's kind of funny because you're saying a lot of people aspire to be. I honestly, I don't know that it was necessarily something I didn't aspire to, but it wasn't necessarily something I was reaching for was to be president of EOI. I got this opportunity and when it was kind of presented to me, I was kind of like, yeah, this is something I could really see myself running with and doing and, you know, taking it kind of pulled by the horns a little bit. Um, you know, one of the challenges was definitely coming up in the organization. We are a very friendly, family friendly organization. So kind of trying to pivot from being partners with people to leading. It's a very, um, it's a very odd transition when you're going from that I mean some of it kind of happens just naturally but you kind of have to step back and think about different ways to engage people to motivate people to approach people versus you know just working with them on a day-to-day -day basis um so it did take a very big mindset shift um one of the things that I really really focused on when I first started was the company culture and kind of bringing up what I wanted EOI to be we were so um ingrained kind of in a specific kind of culture that we with our our leader 
um, and CEO, and I needed, and he kind of gave me a full bottle to um, make the company go in the direction that I felt like it needed to for both growth and, you know, engaging the right kind of people to be the leaders at EOI. And that was really exciting for me. It was almost kind of like not a blank slate, but something that I could really look at and step back and say, okay, these, this is what I can do. Um, some of the challenges we're trying to figure out who were going to be the best positions uh, or the best people in the certain roles, especially for leadership and, you know, where, how I can restructure some things to make it maybe be more efficient, more effective, more strategic. Um, we spent a lot of time and we're still doing it. I mean, I feel like it never stops and, um, leadership training and emerging leadership training. Um, so not only focusing on those people's people that are already in a leadership role, you know, managing a large group of people, but also those people who are up and comers and we see kind of a, a real shining star kind of. Um, we wanted to be able to challenge people. And also, I feel like a lot of people are thrown into leadership from doing things like project management and they're never really taught how to lead. Absolutely. It's, it's a, like I said, it's a very different mindset. And um, so all of a sudden you have people that are used to running projects, now they have to run people. And that's not always the best fit for everybody, but it's also not just so innate. You kind of have to move your thinking. And we kind of moved from a strategy of managing to leading. And yeah. it's really going really well. And my team underneath me, my leadership team, has really stepped up to the plate and kind of, I was actually super surprised how um, excited they were to take on the challenge of kind of refocusing their mindset and leadership. Um, you know, sometimes it's a little daunting. It's a lot more work. Managing yeah. can sometimes be easier, even though probably in the long run, it's not because you're more about putting up fires when you're managing or just dealing with what's happening now versus leading is a little bit more aspirational. We've also gotten people really moved in the right kind of roles that we need them to be in. And I think it's been a really, really good shift. And our culture has just gotten, um, a lot better. We have a lot more ownership in the company. People, I think, feel more invested in what, you know, the company is doing on a day-to-day -day basis, what their people are feeling like. Um, and I think communications expanded a ton. And I feel like that's always been our negative is we always get check marks, you know, communication can improve, communication can improve. I think that's a constant challenge within organizations is how to communicate, but not only communicate just information, but the right way. Yeah. And so that's really kind of a big positive uptick too. Yeah. Well, I think I heard you know several things in there that I feel like I want to kind of pull out, pull out and address. And and one was um, there's a mindset shift that you had to make from being a um, a, uh, a colleague, right, uh, of some of mm -hmm. people and probably friends of some coworkers to now being the leader of the organization. There's a mind shift for you, but also a sound, there's probably a mind shift for those employees, right? Because now you're the leader of the organization and uh, they need to look at you in a little bit of a different light and you probably got to look at them in a little bit of a different light. The other thing you said in that answer was um, just because you are a project manager and can manage your day-to-day -day doesn't necessarily mean you can be a great manager or leader of an organization. And I see all the time and, you know, I'm in sales. And so in my, in my role, um, just because you're a great salesperson and you can manage your territory and you can manage your pipeline doesn't necessarily ma mean you can be a great sales manager and lead a team of salespeople. Right. And I see it all right. the time in, in my, in my role in my industry where, organizations will promote the best salesperson that they have within the organization to now be the sales manager and the sales leader. And what that duck can do for an organization is now you just lost your best salesperson. 
but you put mm -hmm. them into a role where they now they have to lead and maybe they're maybe they're not a great leader right maybe they're maybe they're not maybe they won maybe they won they thought they would be a good sales manager but they weren't necessarily uh positioned well for it and so the other thing i'd like to add real quick is I think it's a hats off to you and to EOI for, for recognizing a couple of those things and being able to bring in leadership training to train the employees. Because to your point, you, you don't just walk into being a leader. You, you got to be, you know, and this whole podcast talks about this. You got to be a student of the game. You got to read leadership books. You got to go through leadership training. You got to really know how to become a leader because you can be a manager, but not a leader. Um, exactly. and I think, so I think, you know, hats off to you guys for recognizing that and, and changing really the dynamic and direction of where you guys were going. The last thing I want yeah, I mean, to, yeah, go ahead. Oh, go ahead. I'm sorry. Oh, go ahead. I was going to say, yeah, it's basically, um, you know, you kind of, the old concepts of sales and, you know, leadership is that Peter principle, you know, like you put somebody beyond where they're probably naturally ready to go. And one of the things too, that we try to recognize is we tried to put people that if they weren't necessarily cut out to be a, a people, they weren't people leader, they were, you know, a great project manager, great technical lead, that that was valued just as much. We didn't want to think, we didn't want people to also think that if they didn't want to all of a sudden manage people, that they wanted to stay, you know, doing projects and being involved in that, that that was, you know, a, a bad, a bad path, a bad path for them. Their path was going to be cut off. Yeah. So we also put a lot of value in, you know, technical leadership and what kind of that means versus business leadership. Yeah, no, absolutely. Because there's a lot of value in that as well. And like you said, you don't always want to take your most technical person or your, you know, your best person that can do this, this, and this, and all of a sudden you lose all those, that skill set. And well, so that's also something you have to think about too. It, it reminds me of the Jim Collins book, Good to Great, where he talks about making sure you have the right people on the bus and then making sure the people that are on the bus are in the right seats of the bus, right? And so, exactly. and I think what, what you said there is so valuable is just because a person doesn't either A, want to lead people or manage people, or maybe is not the right fit to do that doesn't mean that their position isn't still just as valuable as the per person who is leading because you need everybody on the bus to make the bus go. Um, exactly. And so I think that's a very, very good point that, you know, to kind of pull out of that, that answer there is you need everybody to make it run. Um, and but you just got to figure out where people need to be positioned and what roles they need to be in to make it run efficiently and smoothly and, and, and profitably. And so I think those are very good sediments. The other thing you mentioned there in there is culture. And I really want to dive into culture a little bit. You know, obviously, I, I work for Synchrony HR, and we deal with HR all day long. And culture, I'm a firm believer culture um, makes or break, breaks an organization. Also a firm believer that the people with inside of your organization are your biggest asset and they can make or break an organization. So you, you talked about culture at EOI. How did you guys help either change the culture within the organization um, and create this new company culture that you have? And how do you continue to make sure that the company culture is, is good? And I know that's kind of a hard question to answer, but um, give, give us some insight on that. Yeah, so I feel like the whole concept of company culture is probably one of the hardest, at least for me, to define. Um, first off, kind of figuring what you need to kind of pull out and cultivate um, within your company, but also just that it's ever evolving. I mean, you're you're constantly having different projects that change the flow of with how the company runs or different people that come in. Um, and for me, I think it's a little bit about um continuing to realize that culture is constantly shifting and you have to kind of keep up with it um some of the best ways i think that we help to 
put culture kind of in a positive instead of a, a negative, you know, site is really engaging everybody, not just looking at, okay, are the executives happy or okay, is this person happy? Um, we really wanted to engage people as a whole and just get where they were coming from. And so we did a lot of, you know, kind of basic things like um, we had a third party HR consultant come in and do focus groups with our teams. And she did a leadership focus group and kind of a general tech project manageable focus group. So people could feel honest and open and comfortable with expressing concerns, what they liked, what they didn't like, some issues that they had. And so that was a real eye opener. Um, and then we also um, started really working with sitting down with one-on-ones at least monthly with all of our employees talking about goals, talking about aspirations, and not just focusing on like, okay, this project's going today, but really kind of more focusing on what is going on with you? Where do you see yourself? Where would you like to do some more investment maybe in your career? Maybe you don't want to go in that direction. Maybe you want to go in this direction. Um, so a lot of it was kind of just asking questions. I mean, that kind of sounds silly, but no, I think kind of asking questions to get where everybody, see where everyone's at and kind well, yeah. of cultivate that. But I think it's also it's important to ask those questions, right? But I think a lot of organizations sometimes just assume people are happy or assume people um, like the role that they're in. And unless you ask the right questions and know where the where that person sees themselves in the next, you know, two, three, four, five years, how how are you as an organization supposed to know that? The other thing I think mm -hmm. is very important to point out in that, in that answer is investment. You use the word investment and you invested in the company culture, right? You brought this HR consultant in to help from a culture standpoint. You spend, a, you know, one-on-ones with your employees monthly. I mean, that's time. That's an investment. And I think, right. I, you know, employees recognize that. Um, I always tell, you know, tell our CEO of our organization, sometimes I just need to talk to you, right? Sometimes I just need to tell you where my head's at. Um, and hear where your head's at on the direction of where our organization is going to know that we're on the same page. And, you know, that 15, 20, 30 minute hour, whatever that turns into, um, in my opinion, makes the company a great culture. He's got an he's got an open door policy where I can call him or walk into his his office at any time and, and chat with him. And so I, you know, I, again, give my hats off to you guys for recognizing that and, and bringing that leadership and that culture really to EOI. And I think it'll pay off for you guys in a, in a big way. Yeah. And I think it really helps too with just professional growth period with each of your individual employees. I mean, for example, we had an employee that really thought he wanted to go in this one direction and really, we really vouched for him and went out of our way to kind of get him going. And then when he realized, you know, what the job was really going to be like, even though we talked about it and talked about it and talked about it, once he got in there, it just wasn't really fitting his life where he was at at that point. And I think probably in the past, what would have happened with that employee as we, he would have stayed where he was, continued to probably not like the position that he was heading in, we would have kept pushing him in that position. And then we probably would have lost a valuable employee because he probably would have been like, I can't do this. I need to find something else. And when we were able to kind of, with ongoing communication and talking, able to talk to him about that pretty openly and pretty honestly um, from the get-go and realize, okay, we put you in that position thinking this is where you wanted to be, but we're glad that that's not the position because we find you as a valuable employee. We want you to be here. What else can we look at and where else do you want to be and what, what are your limitations and what are the things you want to excel at? And I think that's, it allowed us to kind of make a pivot within the company without it being a huge dramatic change of either disrupting a project or most importantly, losing a valuable employee yeah. and then having to 
bring somebody else in, train and do all that kind of stuff again. So that's so important. That's kind of a benefit. Yeah, that's so important because I think sometimes employees um, may realize themselves that they're they're not in the right position, but they're afraid to say something, right? They're afraid that if they come to the, the leader of the organization, CEO, president, whoever it is, and say, I'm just not happy in this position, but I love the company. I think sometimes employees yeah. get scared that they're going to be told, well, that's the position we have for you. You either like it or you leave. And and that's why probably some employees don't do that. And so, I, again, I think that's so important that you guys recognize that and have that conversation because, again, it goes back to Jim Collins. It, you got to get the people on the bus, but then getting the people in the right seat on the bus is, is just as vitally important. And so, again, that's mm-hmm. that's really, really important. Yeah, I agree. Aaron, I always end this podcast with really the last question I ask everybody, and that's to try to give some tangible advice to our listeners. And so if there's one piece of advice you could give to the people listening to this episode, what would that be? Um, as far as leadership goes? Yeah. Um, as far as leadership goes, one of the biggest values I think that I have gotten is realizing that this is that I'm not on my own ride here. This is a overall arching challenge. Um, Leadership involves so many different things from your own leadership team internally, your executive team that you work with, but also kind of a network of people that you build outside of your team. I have relied um, on so many different people for advice, for, you know, just walking through situations together. Um, And for me, that has been, I think, one of the biggest benefits that I have gotten over, especially the last year um, of me reaching out to different people for help and advice. Um, Because again, it's not, this isn't a one man ship. This is, you know, a cruise ship heading down the ocean. This is something that we have to work on together. And when I kind of realized that I needed people in my life to help me through this, it made everything kind of blossom and bloom. And I think that's, Sometimes the biggest challenges as a leader, you want to take on everything um, on your own. You put so much ownership into it, but you know, as they always say, delegate. You have to <laughs> you have to mix it up, but also take in um, a lot of you know time to ask opinions and get get questions answered from people maybe outside of your organization that can help you see through some challenges that you never thought of before. And I think that is a huge um, huge thing that we sometimes take on as leaders is that burden of doing it all on our own when we shouldn't and it's works so much better when you don't because then you have people too on your ship um you know that are helping you steer that ship and they're not you're not having to make sure that everybody's happy without really seeing how they're affecting it so absolutely that's i think that would be the the, for me the biggest takeaway of, of leadership is involving lots of other people. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, and I think to your yeah. to that point, I think, you know, uh, most people are generally happy to help and happy to give advice and happy to, you know, be on that ship and that journey with you. And, you know, I, I've, in my career, uh, anytime I've reached out to somebody and asked some advice, it usually um, they're willing to give it right. And they're willing to help yeah. because us as humans want to help other people succeed. And so I think that's a very valuable piece of advice is, you know, when you're in that kind of type of position um, to ask, right? Don't don't have to do it all on your own. Ask for the, the guidance and, and the mentorship from, from anybody, either inside the organization or outside the organization. It's not necessarily a sign of weakness, but it can be a very big sign of strength. So, Aaron, thank you so much for being on the show today. Uh, on behalf of STL Leaders, we appreciate your time um, and thank you. Thank you. Appreciate it. Thanks. This episode was brought to you by Synchrony HR. 
Synchrony HR is a human resource outsourcing firm serving business owners across the country. By eliminating the hassle of human resources, compliance, workers' compensation, risk management, and employee benefits, you can stop worrying about the tedious tasks and focus on your growth and your success. Thank you for listening to this episode of the STL Leaders Podcast.